The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's seven minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live this morning. It is now time for the Forum at Eight. Now, yesterday, Judge Togosile Masipa handed down a five-year prison sentence to Oscar Pistorius in the North Gauteng High Court. Pistorius was earlier found guilty of culpable homicide for Riva Steenkamp's uh, death in on Valentine's Day last year. Pistorius, uh, it said, it is said rather that Pistorius is a likely to only spend 10 months in prison. So there's been great reaction from all walks of uh, society to this particular sentencing. And on the Forum at 8 this morning, we'll uh, we'll try to unpack the significance of Oscar Pistorius' sentencing. And of course, we want to hear from you. What are your views on what transpired throughout this trial? And of course, culminating in yesterday's sentencing. So uh, you can start calling us on 891 you can also SMS 34701, tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And of course, if Twitter and other social media platforms are anything to go by, then people certainly do have a lot to say. And we want you to weigh in on this conversation this morning. And joining us, uh, we also have a panel, Ms. June Marks, who's an attorney at June Marks Attorneys. Thank you so much for your time this morning, June. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks, and appreciate you making the time. And we also have with us Mr. Ulrich Rue, who is an attorney at and director at uh, BDK Attorneys. Thanks for your time as well, Ulrich. Hi, uh, pleasure. Good to be here. Now, obviously, I think, you know, we have never in South Africa seen uh, the likes of what we saw in terms of interest, in terms of just, you know, the sheer um, involvement of the South African public in a court case. But this was a first on so many levels, not least of which the fact that we were there every step of the way uh, via the media in order to take this in as the South African public. But uh, June, what for you uh, was, uh, you know, the most important hallmarks of this Oscar Pistorius case? I think it was the debate over whether or not he was guilty of negligence or dolus eventualis forming the intent to commit murder. I think that that sparked the most debate and the most argument in legal terms by laymen as to whether or not what the verdict should in fact have been. And Ulrich, just looking at that, what do you make of, you know, the public's involvement, obviously all the opinions that are going around, and, um, you know, some would even say the legal degrees that were acquired on social media networks throughout this trial? No, certainly, and I want to add to your point. I think uh, since since the incident occurred on the 14th of February 2013, you know, the public was immediately divided. Um, People were either in Oscar's corner and they believed his version or they didn't. And I think what is is interesting is that very few people were swept during the course of the trial. Uh, You know, from the outset, they either believed Oscar's version or they didn't. And, And I don't think a lot of people changed their minds through the evidence that was led. Now, now, of course... Um, you know, everyone had an opinion. Everyone suddenly became legal experts, as you say. Um, and, and there was always going to be somewhat of a, of a public outcry as to what, firstly, the verdict was going to be, and, and secondly, uh, what sentence Oscar was going to receive. But we must remember that the court is not there for some popularity contest uh, and to serve the public opinion, but the court is there to serve public interest and to 
to, uh, you know, weigh up all the probabilities of the case and, and weigh up all the evidence that is pre- presented and then find a, a, a suitable verdict and then a suitable sentence. So I think the, the sentence handed down yesterday was, was a good sentence in terms of a conviction of culpable homicide. Uh, and, and we'll now have to wait and see whether, you know, either of the parties uh, do not agree with that and whether they appeal it. So of course, they have 14 days within which to do that. And, and just before we get into that, um, June, uh, do you agree that it was a good sentence that was handed down yesterday? I think a comfortable homicide sentence. I think that it was a fair sentence for that in that respect. Obviously, if it had been murder, it would have been a completely different sentence. But with respect to comfortable homicide, I thought the sentence was there. I thought you took into consideration all the relevant factors. So I didn't really have any difficulty with the sentence there, as many people seem to be reporting. I agree with, uh, with June completely there. I mean, uh, one must remember that he was convicted of culpable homicide. In other words, he, he was negligent. He had no intention to kill Rivas Tienkamp, uh, and that is what the court found. So in terms of that, I think a, a very well-balanced sentence. And then, of course, um, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Ulrich, um, obviously people are looking forward to what's going to happen next. So it's the appeals process. So from uh, the side of the defense, are they likely to appeal? If not, why not? And uh, the prosecution as well, what are they likely to do? And on which grounds are they likely to bring this appeal? In my opinion, it would be uh, very foolish for the defense to appeal this, this sentence. And the reason why I say that is because obviously a higher court, once an appeal is lodged, can either increase the sentence and, and uh, mm. more importantly, if an appeal is lodged, then the state could launch a cross-appeal and the matter could be re-adjudicated on the merits and, of course, a different verdict could also be handed down by a higher court. So I think the, the defense have already indicated, or I heard a, a press release made by the family yesterday that they were not going to appeal this sentence, um, and, and I think that would be wise. I think if Oscar was offered, you know, the sentence that he received yesterday right from the outset, I think he would have probably taken it. Uh, I think it's a good outcome for the defense. Um, but in terms of the state, they can, of course, uh, appeal. They can appeal the verdict, but they can only appeal it on grounds of the law. In other words, that the law was applied incorrectly. And, and uh, in this case, it would, for instance, be that the principles of Dulles eventualis were misinterpreted by the court and and, uh, that it was applied incorrectly. They can also appeal the sentence um, and and say that the sentence is too light. But I I think that's unlikely. I think there there is a, a, might be a possibility of them uh, appealing the verdict, but, uh, you know, it would be speculation at this stage. I think we'll, we'll just have to wait and see in the next 14 days if they do indeed do that. June, what's your take on that? Well, I do tend to agree. I think it would be foolhardy for the defence to appeal the sentence. Specifically, as a higher court can impose a more strenuous sentence, and obviously the state can cross-appeal, and it will just bring the case up all over again with all the risks inherent in it, with possible murder convictions and a stronger sentence. And I also did hear the press release that the historian um, does not intend to appeal the sentence. Specifically, as the sentence does appear to be fair. As far as the state is concerned, I also don't believe they'll appeal the sentence. I don't see any grounds for appealing the sentence. However, as to the verdict, they could appeal the verdict on the principles of law not being correctly applied to Jolison and Shuala. But my view is I don't think the state is going to appeal the verdict or the sentence. My understanding was that um, yesterday the prosecutor said that that was the end of the case. Oh. But then um, again, we'll see within 14 days. I did read the repress release last night. 
in one of the newspapers, although they said that the NPA was considering it. I understand when now walked out, he says that then ends the case. But obviously the state has 14 days to then consider what they want to do. And and, and um, that's very interesting, June. Um, Ulrich, uh, now, uh, you know, obviously uh, looking at what some of the other legal experts uh, have been saying, they have been saying that actually um, uh, Judge Togazile Masipa's interpretation um, of the law in the judgment has been erroneous. And uh, many of them are saying that uh, Oscar could potentially face a retrial. But then, uh, given what June has just said, um, I'm not sure. What what do you make of that? No, I, I haven't heard that rumor. I, in fact, heard from uh, uh, journalists that, that they are considering it, uh, well, giving great consideration to that. But I, I, I think, as I said before, it would be speculation at this stage. The state would revisit the the judgment and they would revisit the sentence and the the sentence handed down as a whole yesterday and then they will make an informed decision remember when when you do appeal a matter then you need to to uh, launch an application for leave to appeal to the court a quo in other words the court that made the decision and you must convince that court that a higher court could come to a different finding so you know if if they feel that uh, it's it's uh, the, the chances are very slim to none of that happening, then of course they wouldn't appeal it. But they would be scrutinizing that and, and would be considering it at length, I think. I, I don't think we, we must make any predictions as to whether they're going to appeal or not. I think we must give them their 14 days and, and see what they decide. And uh, then, of course, um, June, also Judge Togozile Masipa herself has come under immense scrutiny, um, you know, for the judgment that uh, she has made. And uh, it has brought to the fore also the gender agenda. But uh, people essentially, you know, um, uh, they are not very kind, even if I'm looking at my Twitter timeline right now, um, towards Judge Togozile Masipa. What did you make of her during this trial? I don't want to express a personal opinion on um, what Dallas Eventualis is or whether or not she was correct or not in her assessment. I think time will tell that. I do think that everybody is an armchair critic, and uh, there was a lot of public outcry specifically towards what Pistorius had, had done and the death of Reva. I think that in many cases the judges are sitting on the forefront, and obviously they're there to apply the law. And obviously if there's any errors in her decision, not only, if, if you look, if you, in the leash appeal situation, if she refuses to leash appeal and she doesn't believe that she's made a mistake or another court can come to a different decision, your option then is to apply to the Supreme Court of Appeal on the petition and put forward your reasons as to why you feel that she's made a different decision. So it doesn't stop there. If you are unable to convince a judge that she's made an error, then your recourse is not stopped there. You still have two options of appeal. You go to the SCA, you try to convince them in a petition that she's made an error. And obviously, if she has made an error in law, then the SCA will, in all likelihood, grant um, an appeal. Then you still have a constitutional court. So if your appeal fails at the Supreme Court of Appeal, your last port of call is the constitutional court, which can hear matters of public interest and uh, of public importance, which can have an, um, an effect. So there are several appeal options to open. It's not necessarily live, the answer lies and falls with Masita. Um, if you can't convince her she's made an error, then you, you, there is much more recourse that can be used. Mm. And uh, just in terms of the impact that this has had on the public's perception of our criminal justice system, how would you assess that? 
I think it's unfortunate. I think that people are seeing that possibly, I've read a number of comments that people think that you come in with a high-powered legal team with a lot of money and you can get away with murder. So I think it's very unfortunate what the perceptions have been on the justice system. And it's not normal for, for the simple objections that have been taken in this matter and simple comments by the judge with regards to either rule or now have, I think, been blown out of proportion a great deal by the media and the public. It does happen a lot that the media tend to blow things out of proportion, but never to this degree that it's shown on TV and people have an opportunity to make statements and comments about the arguments and about the judge and about the justice system. So I don't think it's been very helpful for our justice system. Although people have seen how it actually works and what a child in South Africa actually looks like. But they've come out with it with an uninformed mind and they haven't actually known, known what the law is about or what the actual legal principles being applied are. So you've come out with all kinds of comments about money buying freedom and all that kind of stuff, which the overseas press has exasperated completely. Well, we are talking about Oscar Pistorius this morning. Taking uh, your reaction uh, to uh, the sentencing yesterday, and of course the lines are open, 0891-104-208 is the number to dial. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Alternatively, send us an SMS to 34701. The lines are open, 0891-104-208. And uh, let's go to those lines and hear what uh, your views are on this particular matter. Let's go to Rod in Johannesburg first. Good morning, Roderick. Um, I just wanted to say that I don't know uh, if it's almost owed to the public that we need to understand, I mean, uh, if you look at the Humphreys case and now you've got Jup-Jup, so that we can have clarity in terms of dollars eventualis. I think uh, maybe the state will have to appeal this thing so that, you know, that we can uh, finally have finality on this matter. Okay, I've got you there, Roderick, and I'll get our panel to respond to that in just a moment. But let's hear from Celia in Santon. Uh, Cecilia, good morning. Hi, Rowena, and your panel. You know, I think we need to look at this case in totality. At six months, Oscar had his legs amputated. At six years, his father left him. At 15 years, his mother died. I think let's, let's have some bit of compassion. And you know what also bothers me, which is what Kenny Kunene said, that Mr. Modise lies. Uh, there's a lot of rape. Oscar is at risk. But anyway, let him serve his 10, his ten months. You know, his, his, his life is a, is a... If you are an amputee at six months, let's have some compassion. And then when he starts working, every rent that he makes, he must support the income family. Let's move away. You know, even they must not even appeal. He must just do his time. He's going to make money when he comes out of prison. Every one rent that he makes, he saves 35% with the TN camp people. And then we move on. The other cases. There's Cecilia calling from Santon. Zabiso, you're here in Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and um, to your panel members. You know, I'm not an expert in law or, you know, how does um, the legal system work in South Africa. But the point, I have nothing against Oscar. You know, he has achieved a lot. It's an, and again, it's unfortunate what has happened to him. But my problem is that why should Oscar be treated differently? Because there are so many persons with disabilities. There are so many amputees. There are so many deaf and blind people who get arrested. But they have never been given the special treatment that Oscar has been afforded. It's really not fair. And then secondly, 
My question is that if if he was charged with capable um, homicide, if one fires more than now, I'm talking as a woman who has been abused before by by her partner. If one shoots more than twice, are you not? Is it not your intention to kill somebody? Maybe that we know they need to school us in terms of the legal um, jargon as to if one fires more than two twice, you don't intend to harm or to kill somebody, especially if you don't know who's that the other person on the other side. Thank okay. you. Okay, thank you so much, Tepiso. Uh, Dorothy, you're also in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much, and to your panel. Uh, you know, um, the original, I think, was a magistrate. Was it Mr. Nyer? When he went for bail, he he said something that uh, worried me from the beginning. He said he couldn't understand why Oscar didn't ascertain where Reva was. I mean, they were a young couple. They they were new lovers. Uh, it's unbelievable that they were sleeping in the same room, in the same bed. There were only two people in the house. So um, when you think of the convic- of, of the verdict, uh, the judge, I think people have forgotten that the judge said that he was an unreliable witness, that he was not truthful, which meant that he was lying. And, uh, I mean, uh, one uh, from that one... Uh, decides that he did not take the court into his confidence, into, you know, into uh, confiding the court. And maybe that was the reason that uh, she came to that verdict because I heard an expert on your station saying, well, for lack of other evidence, because they were the only two people, the judge had to uh, take cognizance of, of, of what he said, in, in fact, almost to believe what he said because there was no other evidence. And I think that is why people are so annoyed and upset because it's an unbelievable story because after he first went on his stumps to the bathroom, he, he then went back to the side of his bed and put on his, um, uh, his legs, which probably mm-hmm, took mm-hmm. him some time. So I don't understand. I do not believe that story. It does not make sense at all. And I think that is why, for lack of any other evidence, the judge then said she did not believe him because she said he was untruthful and a liar. And I think that is why maybe from a legal point of view, they can explain what this expert meant when he said, well, she had no option but to believe or to take into consideration what he said for lack of other evidence. And that is what's worrying me. And I think that's what's worrying other people. All right. Thank you so much for that call, Dorothy. Uh, Ulrich, let me uh, come to you for, uh, you know, a first bite at this because essentially people giving their views. But, um, you know, uh, what Roderick was saying um, first up was that the if there were to be an appeal uh, by the prosecution, it would benefit the public in maybe getting to understand some of this legal jargon like dolus eventualis and, you know, the interpretation thereof and the application of the law. Um, What's your take on that? Yes, I I tend to agree with him 100%. I actually said exactly the same on a a different forum yesterday. Um, I think the Supreme Court of Appeal needs to give the courts guidance on the Dulles eventualis principle, because there certainly is, uh, you know, uh, it's not clear at the moment, and there are so many different interpretations thereof. Now, just to visit the, the Jacob Humphreys and, and the Jupe Jupe matters, um, you know, in both those matters, the accused were also found to be grossly negligent, and it also lead, led to the, to the death not only of one person, but of a, 
of a number of school children in both instances. And in in the YouTube judgment, which I studied um, uh, very carefully and which my firm was actually involved in the appeal, um, you know, the, the, the judge handed down what he called a minimum sentence threshold when there is gross negligence uh, in a culpable homicide case. And that threshold, although it's not binding on other cases because culpable homicide is, is such a difficult conviction to sentence on, but they said that that threshold is a, is a sentence of eight years imprisonment, which is very interesting. So mm. Judge Masipa would have had to weigh that up uh, and then, of course, consider it with all the other factors that she needed to consider when sentencing. And, and those factors are set out in a very famous case called S versus Zim of 1971. Okay. And, and in that case, it said that you need to consider the personal circumstances of the accused, the gravity of the offence, and, and the, the effect that the sentence would have on the public. What is the public interest? So I agree completely. I think that if the state were to appeal this, then, then the Supreme Court of Appeal would would be in a very fortunate position to provide clarity on the Dulles Eventualis principle. The way that, that Judge Masipa interpreted it was, uh, of course, there was a lot of criticism there. Mm. But unless there is clarity from a higher court, I think we're going to struggle with that principle going forward uh, until we are given guidance by, by the Supreme Court. Of okay. June, Cecilia was talking about, you know, Oscar Pistorius and um, his uh, situation growing up and how that may have impacted on where he is today. Uh, And what this also highlights is the fact that this case did not only highlight uh, what, uh, you know, uh, the justice system is about, but uh, the entire um, uh, system, as it were, because correctional services were also thrust in the spotlight as a result of this. They were indeed. Um, I don't want to put it into too much perspective, but his personal factors were considered in sentencing, and um, my understanding is they were considered from the evidence in the case. But from a personal perspective, what what about Reva's personal circumstances? The judge did make the point yesterday that no matter what she does, is a young woman's life has been destroyed, she's been killed, and no matter what she does, she can never give that life back. So one also must ask the question as to how long one must persist in considering circumstances that happened 23 years ago to Mr. Pistorius. Now, his psychiatrist all had the opportunity to testify. All his personal circumstances were raised. But when does the circumstances of, ju- of justice take over and this idea of that we should continue to make excuses for somebody because of their actions persist? Should he be allowed to do whatever he wants to do because... At some young age, he lost his legs. Now, my understanding from the newspaper yesterday was when he was admitted to prison, there were eight other disabled prisoners, another one on prosthetics in much the same circumstances as him. You can't just throw away the laws because at one young age, something happened to somebody. There are factors that are considered. They were amply considered in this case in both the sentencing phase and the criminal liability phase. But I think a point in time is reached when excuses are enough. Mm. Let's uh, look at some of the messages coming through. JJ in Pretoria says, I served eight years of my 15-year uh, jail term for related crime. The law requires uh, prisoners to serve a certain amount of time and release is delayed by corruptions uh, at uh, CMC and parole board at the department. That's from JJ. Another one says, uh, there's something wrong with the legal system uh, that's lost touch with the public. It is the public, um, is the public not a mirror of common law, which is the foundation. 
for all law. And uh, this unsigned one says, one hour inside a police holding cell feels like a week. Anything more than that is more than enough. People don't know how it feels. The day they will be in jail, they will realize uh, that it's all still a very heavy punishment. Pagamani in Durban's contribution this morning, um, I found it so confusing because all the cases that set precedence to Oscar Pistorius's case, all accused were not jailed, but it felt more like satisfying public opinion to send him to jail. And then Dean says, what impact does this ruling have on Jubjub sentencing, if any? Does the ruling not have a far wider impact on other cases? And KB says, I still don't understand why the judge overlooked the intent to kill. There was no way anyone in that toilet could have survived for lethal bullets. Those are SMSs uh, looking at some of the Facebook messages. Celeste Samuel says uh, Jube Jube was drugged and speeding. He could have hit any number of cars just like the pedestrians. The number and manner in which people say uh, what they would give as punishment is frightening. What if it was an accident? More attention should be given to convicting rapists, murderers, drug dealers and high Hijackers. And then Silo Mele on uh, Facebook says, um, well, I believe the judge has done her job since Oscar was convicted on culpable homicide. The punishment is befitting and I wish that people could just go and read what the law says and then uh, and stop insulting Judge Masipa. Edison Magabe, uh, his contribution is uh, not really. He should have got 10 years like Jube Jube. If she can't find premeditated murder, then she erred in her judgment last month. So those are some of the comments coming through. Ulrich, before I get to you, let's just go to uh, the lines. I have uh, Solly and KGM who've been very patient. Let me start with Solly in Joburg. Good morning, Solly. Thanks again and morning to your guests. Thanks for holding, Solly. Yes, man. I just want to find out uh, because uh, Judge Masipa on delivering his uh, judgment, he did mention that uh, Oscar's uh, testimony was riddled with lies and dishonesty. Then should, that should include uh, the fact that uh, he could not explain that where one of the fans were plugged on the on the on the uh, electric uh, uh, electric connector, so that it doesn't work uh, work in favor of the principle beyond the reasonable doubt. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got you there, Solly. Um, uh, Chris, you're also in Joburg. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you, Chris? I'm fine. I think one of the significant is that, uh, and particularly your platform, is that we really need to relook at this issue, begin to understand it, because here the issue is really not about Oscar. It's about intimate partner violence, which has reached almost uh, a pandemic uh, proportions in South Africa. And that is one of the issues which was hidden throughout the trial. And I think South Africa needs to face it and see how it responds to it, so that rather than really responding to to what on on an emotional basis let's understand the whole issue in totality another issue is that this was a in fact while we discuss the intimate partner violence we also need to understand it's also a very serious public health problem because besides just injuries people have to some of them who survive uh, get disabled for life and they have to incur health costs and they 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 are an added burden to the public health if they do they cannot afford. So I think it it it, it while it has opportunities there are missed opportunities, but it's it's it it has offered a great time for society to reflect on itself 
and see how it is. And and some of it mostly is how it is reported. I can't reconcile uh, using mastermind when you talk about a person who allegedly uh, uh, arranged for his wife to be killed. Okay, thank you so much, Chris. Let's go to KZN. George, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Yes, George. Uh, uh, all the, the analysts uh, agreed when, uh, when Oscar went for psychological evaluation, they agreed that uh, it, it was the first time that he arrived in the morning and go back home uh, in the afternoon. They said uh, normally a person must sleep there so that uh, he or she is evaluated properly. But because uh, he had money and also he was white, uh, Judge Masipa was overwhelmed. And also I think uh, she was overwhelmed by the media around her and she couldn't do anything. I'm sure she was shivering. And, and another thing that uh, proves that uh, uh, he's getting a preferential treatment is that uh, yesterday he was seen transported by Nyala from the police instead of being locked out by just a, a normal van or a normal truck. And I just want to answer one of your panelists. They say uh, we are divided uh, between the state version and Oscar's version. Oscar had no version. He was he kept changing all his versions. So I think for me, uh, 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 we, we, we must not try to defend the judge Masipa. I think her qualifications must be brought to book, and we must all see that it must be public, and we must understand where is she coming from, because... Oscar was supposed to be found guilty of murder. Okay. And I can't wait to get a response to all of these issues that have been raised already. Yes, uh, what do you want me to respond to? Well, you can start with George, uh, the last caller. Well, remember that, um, you know, uh, if, if we start talking about preferential treatment, just on the, on the psychiatric evaluation matter, in practice... That is very difficult. When a person gets sent for psychiatric evaluation, they normally wait for a bed if they are an inpatient. And that process could take up to between six and nine months. I've certainly had clients who've waited for nine months to be allocated a bed in order to be evaluated. So I think that the state and the defense, uh, together with Judge Masipa, in the interest of speeding up this process and, uh, and dealing with it expediently, decided that he could be evaluated as an outpatient. So I don't think... One should just immediately jump to the conclusion that, that he's received preferential treatment. It was a decision that was made between the state and the defense, and the judge uh, agreed with that decision in order to, to deal with the matter as quickly and as swiftly as possible. Um, you know, the fact that he was transported yesterday in a, in a white police van, you know, that could be for various reasons. Obviously, his disability could prove... Uh, difficulty in transporting him and, and the police would have decided that you know uh, to make it easier for them and for the whole system they'll just transport him themselves. I don't, I don't think we need to read too much into that. I in fact think that because Oscar is such a big celebrity and because the, the whole trial was publicized and, and so closely followed not only by South Africans but by the entire world you know he was uh, there was more pressure on, on the judge and on the judicial system and that they actually did treat him, uh, you know, uh, not uh, that he, he didn't receive preferential treatment. He, in fact, was treated in a, in a more harsher manner, in my opinion, um, because of his international status and because of the fact that when an international person or uh, a celebrity and a well-known person is involved in a matter such as this, the first thing that people always say is, 
is going to receive preferential treatment, and I think it is exactly the opposite. You know, the judge, when she found him guilty of culpable homicide, she she uh, based her ruling on the facts, and that she said that she believed the fact that he, he showed remorse immediately after the incident, and that Dr. Stipp, who testified, testified to that effect and said he was immediately remorseful. Uh, she said that, in her opinion, on his version, he could not have foreseen that Reva was in the bathroom, and that she acquitted him of the murder charge, and she convicted him of the culpable homicide charge. And, you know, just getting back to that call, that is the beauty of our law. It is going to be debated on a daily basis, not only by by lawyers and not only by, by our legal fraternity, but by public at large. And, and in that sense, I think this trial has, has done well. It has put our, our justice system in, in the spotlight. And, and anyone, you know, previous to this matter, I think 90% of, of the South African public did not even know what the inside of a court looks like. And, and open justice and the fact that this was publicized and, and, and broadcast over the entire world contributed to people gaining, um, you know, a, a sense of of confidence in our judicial system. And I think that it did perform well in that respect. And obviously, we're always going to have people who, who differ from each other. But uh, that, in my opinion, is good for our law. It develops our law on a daily basis. And talking about uh, the Oscar Pistorius trial, the sentencing, everything about that trial that you perhaps would like to touch on this morning uh, with us on our panel, Mr. Ulrich Rue, attorney uh, and director at BDK Attorneys, as well as Ms. June Marks, who is an attorney at June Marks Attorneys. And uh, just looking at some of the messages here, um, this one from Chris Drift. Chris, uh, Chris says, Oscar Pistorius trial lays bare the real hidden feelings of South Africans. Uh, we like to think that we have Ubuntu, but we are an angry, vengeful lot. And in response to that, Nkosnati Mbele says, I guess you're suggesting that we close down our prisons as a sign of Ubuntu then. Uh, another SMS here from Octavius uh, Tsepo says, Oscar has suffered a lot already and it will stay with him uh, forever. And uh, Rendani says, after being sentenced, a person goes to correctional services uh, and not for punishing but for service. And then uh, this one says, I'm champion. It says, I think it's time certain cases are overseen by a jury instead of one judge deciding to reduce, uh, uh, in an an attempt to reduce bias sentencing. And Prince says, uh, Judge Masipa has decided, and I think we should all just move on with our lives and deal with more pressing current issues. Here's an SMS from Linda. Linda says, it's a missed opportunity for Judge Togozile Masipa, not just as a judge, but as a woman judge, to give Oscar a more harsh sentence, to send a strong message to would-be killers of vulnerable and innocent women and children, which is on a high rise in our country. It's just another dismal day in our justice system. And that was, of course, a sentiment that was echoed by Tsepiso earlier, as well as um, I think it was Chris who also mentioned this particular matter. What's your take on that, June? On which specific part of that? On on, on, on the gender uh, it's a, a difficult one to part. answer because I do think, tend to think in South Africa more than in many other countries there are major gender issues which are not addressed, which are brushed up and which are pushed under the carpet. However, that said, most of the issues in the Pistorius trial were argued and everyone had an opportunity to put all important issues to the fore. Oscar did kill a woman and 
obviously everyone is going to be very divided on that and we do live in a society it's unfortunate and I speak from my own personal experiences as a woman in South Africa more specifically as a woman lawyer in South Africa that unfortunately our society is still very divided and we do still encounter a great deal of prejudice and bias towards women but I don't think that the judge missed an opportunity to strike a blow against crimes against women I don't think that this was necessarily seen specifically in that light, although there was much made of their arguments and that kind of scenario. If you look back, Oscar has shot guns before, and they weren't necessarily directed towards women. So I don't think that that was necessarily an answer to that specific question, that Masipa missed an opportunity to strike a blow. I do, however, take the point about the jury system. Mm-hmm. It is my view in South African law, and will remain it given my own experiences with courts as a lawyer, that it is unfortunate that we live in a system where facts and evidence are analysed by one person. Um, granted, there were assessors, and there often are assessors. I do think that there is a prospect that a jury system, as it has in the UK and the US, might introduce, even for public perception, mm-hmm. a more balanced view, rather than looking to one specific person. It also certainly will draw out many of the statements that you hear everybody making about corruption and the like in the judiciary, and I certainly think it would give a better view towards promoting constitutional principles if we were to possibly introduce a justice, a jury system in South Africa. Okay, I just want to run through the last few callers. Unfortunately, not much time, so let's keep it short, sharp, and to the point. Fakie in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, dear. How are you? Well, and you, Fakie? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I was uh, totally surprised myself with the verdict. But I think the judge tried to balance. Uh, I think she also considered that she might be wrong. Uh, the, the sentence she gave, I think, was trying to um, accommodate for um, what she erred in in law when she did not find him guilty on murder. But I think the NPA must uh, appeal because otherwise the judicial system, which is already problematic, is going to be very, very compromised and be upset. Okay. In a very significant way. Thank you so much for that. Fake is Pusiso and Tembisa. Sisakin, how are you? Well, and you? Just one point. I find it very much difficult to understand that somebody commits a crime and the justice system becomes merciful to that person. It was really shocking for me to hear uh, Judge Masiba saying uh, uh, justice must seem to be merciful. When the person who committed crime was very brutal. Thank you. Thank you so much, Busiso. Ayanda in Peter Maritzburg. Hi. Hello, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you, Ayanda. Just two things. Just two things. Personally, I think this sentencing for us is just, it was just a slip on the road. Having said that, I think the issue now is no longer about Oscar, but it is about our justice system and this dollars eventuality. We all need clarity on this, and I, I think the, the NPA should go ahead and appeal this case. Just so we can all get clarity, it is no longer about Oscar. Okay, thank you so much, Ayanda, and that's what uh, Ulrich was saying earlier. Warren, you also in Durban. Good morning. Good morning. Greetings, all. Uh, for me, a missed opportunity and, a, and probably a blunder was not clarifying the concepts of uh, impairment versus disability. It's clear Oscar is physically impaired, but is he actually a disabled person? You know, I don't think so. 
I think uh, there could have been a role for a proper technical uh, assessment of Oscar according to the international standards. Thank All right. Much. Thank you so much. Uh, here's an interesting uh, uh, question here from Rory. Would the sentence have been any different had there actually been an armed intruder behind the door who was killed, Ulrich? Well, then then a lot of other factors would have had to be considered as well. Uh, was Oscar's life then really in danger? Was the the armed robber armed, that he pose an immediate threat to Oscar and Reva's life. So the facts would have been completely different. But, the, you know, the Dallas Eventualis principle, again, which is uh, which has uh, sparked so much controversy, you know, states that if a person acts in a way uh, in which he knows that he, his actions might lead to the death of someone, not a specific person, he reconciles himself with that fact and still acts accordingly, then he can be, he should be convicted of murder. So okay. unless Oscar could have been able to prove that his or Reva's lives were in immediate danger uh, because of the armed robber, then it would have been the same outcome uh, at judgment if applied the law in the way that she did. Well, that's unfortunately all we have time for this morning and still so many interesting questions coming through. NJ wants to know why is there no civil case or will there be? And, um, you know, uh, McLeod says, had he admitted to a crime of passion, would the sentence have been any worse? And so many others coming through. Really appreciate your contributions this morning. And to our guests, thanks for your time as well. Uh, Ms. June Marks, who's an attorney at June Marks Attorneys, as well as Mr. Ulrich Rue, who is an attorney and director at BDK Attorneys. Thanks for your time this morning.